Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, so just a, an aside. This is really fun for me, just so you all know. Now, we don't have enough time for everyone to take turns, but imagine for a second that you get to stand up here and you get to look out and you get to see all of these people. And they're normally people that you would see sitting in a church. Now, some of you are eight o'clockers. I understand this is weird. <laughs> but, a couple of thoughts. First of all, I know some of you are feeling discomfort. There is someone sitting in your pew. I know it. <laughs> now, I hate to break it to you, but that spot, that's yours. It might just belong to someone else also. They just go to a different service. So when we have our sort of one service only Sunday mornings, just know if you want your spot, you better get here early. <laughs> it's also really fun to stand up here and look out because I'm seeing people that I haven't seen sit in these pews for a while. Some of them are newly returned to us, and they have some really cool scars because they've been out. We have people sitting with us today who've experienced surgeries, um, who've experienced things that they had no idea life was going to throw at them, but they're here. We have people sitting among us today who are carrying with them great burdens. Burdens of health that can make it really hard to be here. Burdens of grief that make it really hard to be here sometimes. We have some weird seating going on additionally, as we have in our overflow section up here, and then our choir down here. And if ever you needed a sign or like a visual image of just how many choristers we have, well, I guess they're just happy that they get to go to Children's Chapel and, well, for those of you who are bummed that you have to hear the sermon, just know this, they're always looking for volunteers in Children's Chapel. <laughs> now. We all know why we're here today, right? The correct answer is God, just in case you thought I was going to say stewardship. The correct answer is God. And God has given for us um, these beautiful messages about wisdom, beautiful messages about sort of this great cloud of witnesses about what it gets to look like 
when all of us come together again, the living and the dead and the kingdom of God, and we get this great parable. Some of you may know it as the parable of the ten virgins. It's clearly been updated for modern times. It's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Come on. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were at the Wednesday service, you know how much I was bemoaning this gospel reading for today because, at least on Wednesday, after doing a lot of prayer, a lot of study, a lot of, I mean, I was really struggling. I went back to the original Greek, which you know I'm desperate if I'm doing that because I solidly was a C student in Greek. And I just, I was scraping the bottom in terms of what I thought God had to say to us with this gospel on this Sunday, where, yes, we are gathered together to worship God, and then from that worship, give a joyful, prayerful gift to God in the form of our pledge cards. And I thought, well, I don't want to read the parable too literally. First of all, because I don't read parables literally to begin with, so that just really didn't feel genuine. But then I thought, you know, it gets a little tricky reading this parable in a sort of a literal way because, well, I would hate for someone to think that when it came to their relationship with God, or when it came to how they give, that there's a foolish way and a wise way. I also didn't want to read too closely into this parable in large part because it talks so much about something that we literally have no context for. This idea of going out with lamps that require oil, that we would wait, that we would wait for a bridegroom, that in this day and age, a bridegroom would be allowed to come late. We know the bride would never let that happen. There's so much happening culturally that is just beyond us. And so, I offer for us today a few things that I think are truly important when we think about why we are here. First, I do think it's really important that we not miss the symbol that is created for us in this parable about being attentive to the arrival of God. Imagine for a moment that God is indeed this bride's groom. Indeed, many scholars believe Jesus is talking about the second coming, this idea that Jesus himself will return to us, and not just in a way in which Jesus returns to us all of the time, but in a fully embodied way, Jesus comes again. Be prepared. It's happening. 
This is something that we pray every single time we make communion. We say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and then what do we say? Very good, very good. This is something that we believe. And so I do think there is something for us to learn and to be mindful of about what we're doing in the present and what that means for us in the future. Secondly, I think it begs of us to ponder who is foolish and who is wise. Our reading from the Wisdom of Solomon has told us that clearly the wise are those who wake up early. Congratulations. Because it is those early risers who meet wisdom at the gate. In our parable, the foolish, we are led to believe, are those who have not brought the extra oil for their lamps. And why are they foolish? Now, how many of you assumed it's because they forgot the extra oil? Is that what makes them foolish? Is the participation part of the sermon over? <laughs> so, in case you rightfully discerned that that was a trap, certainly that could be what made them foolish. But I wonder if what made them foolish was not that they forgot the oil but simply that they listened to those other bridesmaids. Is that what made them foolish? That they thought that this oil was more important than them. How many of you listen to your friends? You need wisdom. If you need extra help and discernment, you reach out to others. If you have a hard time understanding something, you might reach out to various experts. Certainly, this is what I do when I sit down at our monthly finance committee meetings. I sit and I listen to Carl Stover, who is so wise. But you have to have a trust there, right? You have to trust the person with whom you're seeking wisdom. And I wonder, those five who ran off to the market, did they have that trust with those other bridesmaids? Could they really, truly believe? That what those bridesmaids had to share was the right thing to do. So I think there's something for us to learn about the company we keep. But on top of that, in a more divine sense, I think it is incredibly important for us to always remember that what makes us wise versus what makes us foolish has nothing to do 
with stuff. It has nothing to do with what we have or with what we don't have. When it comes to our relationship with God, the wise, the wise are those who show up with God regardless. Think about all of the things that God says that God values. Very, very often, God values humility. God values mercy. God values grace and justice. I'm not entirely sure that God cares all that much about resourcefulness or abundance. I don't think God cares all that much about with what about what we are able to acquire. Mostly, I think God cares and values as wise our ability to be attentive to God and that which God cares about. And so I don't think the wise, those five who brought enough oil, I don't think they're wise because they thought ahead. And I don't think that they're wise because they had enough to go and buy the right amount of oil for their lamp and extra. I think what makes them wise is that they stuck around. And in fact, I sort of wonder if it should really be the five foolish bridesmaids and then the five stingy bridesmaids <laughs> who I don't think showed wisdom. Rather, I think what they showed was the ability to stick around regardless of some of their less fine qualities. The truth is, is I don't think that we are required at all times to be wise. At least I really hope that that's not required. I don't think that we're called to forget that we're foolish. I think ultimately, this parable is one to teach us of our need be in the presence of God no matter what. No matter what. So show up with God when you are unprepared. Show up with God when you feel unworthy. Show up with God when you're on top of the world and and show up with God when you have been kicked in the teeth 
and dragged through the mud. Show up with God when you are broken and hurt, when you wonder about your worth. And show up with God when you think that you're just fine, thank you very much. That there's nothing left for you to learn, there's no more growth in your future, and you are perfect. Show up with God. I think that is the real stewardship message. That's all a pledge is, is a promise to show up with God. That's all our volunteer work is. That's all of our time, talents, and treasure, and all of the alliterations that we use to talk about why we give. It is a promise to show up with God, to trust, that when we show up, no matter what state we're in, that God will be present. In fact, it is simply acknowledging that when we go to the gate, God won't say to us, Who are you? But when we show up at the gate, regardless of what we bring with us, that God opens the doors and says, I've been waiting for you. So is it the worst gospel? Or is it the best? Regardless, it is what it is. May we find discomfort within it. And may we find an abundance of comfort. May it be whatever we need it to be for wherever we are. Because that's where God is. Amen. Amen.